Welcome to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. I am your host, Delenia Agresta, and I am a weight-inclusive registered dietitian. I started this podcast to help people like you heal their relationship with their bodies and food. Each week, there is a new episode that talks about different topics surrounding eating disorder recovery, diet culture, weight inclusivity, and more. So stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Hello friends, welcome back to the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast. This is your host Eleni and as always I'm so grateful to have you here with me today. Welcome to day 8 of the 12 Days of Christmas. On this episode we have a returning guest and a good friend of mine, Leslie Jordan. She is a body image coach and she does a lot of other work in this eating disorder, anti-diet recovery space. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We are talking about finding pleasure with food and movement during the holiday season and stay tuned for the episode. Leslie, thank you so much for being a veteran and coming back so many times on this podcast. We are so happy to have you. I love it here. (laughs) Me too. I love having you. I was so excited when I knew that we were recording today because obviously I love you and I love connecting with you and bringing your insight and expertise on the podcast. I think, you know, you talk about so many important things on your Instagram page, which of course we will have linked in the show notes. So if you aren't following Leslie, please go and run and follow her ASAP. Um, And so, yeah, so for this episode, we had discussed I think when we recorded your podcast, which I don't even know when that was now, um, because it feels like a million years, but also three minutes. Can you believe it's December? Like it's already Uh -uh. like crazy. I'm like, I'm like, you know, things need to slow down because this is too much. I'm gonna be like a hundred years old at this rate. I finally just mastered writing the year 2023. Yeah, like two ago and now I'm gonna have to start over with the new year what if we refuse to write 2024 like who's gonna stop us yeah will it will I turn back the hands of time if I just yeah it's a it's a contract I need more time yeah um (laughs) so we are going to talk about seeking pleasure with food and movement during the holidays which I think this topic is honestly so important because right now it's just a tough time during the holidays if you are someone who is not intentionally trying to lose weight and if you are someone who is like healing from a disordered relationship with food or movement and or your body it's just tough with all this diet talk everywhere at all times everywhere at all times um so many articles pop up, even in your feed. Like if you like food and you cook and you, mm. you know, Google recipes, just harmless old recipes. Even this time of year, the recipes that are holiday, no gain holiday recipes mm-hmm. or so diet friendly three, I don't know, ingredient, no bake appetizer. I'm like, that had way too many adjectives for it to be tasty. So this time of year, the onslaught, and when we're recording this episode, it's right after Thanksgiving. So you've already had kind of that first dose of mm-hmm. pressure, 
of listening to people talk about, oh, I'm going to be bad and eat this slice of pie or oh, I've already had enough, you know. So I feel like dieting, diet culture goes hand in hand with restriction of pleasure. Mm-hmm. They go together. And if you are hoping to step boldly into um, a pleasurable and enjoyable holiday season, uh, you might need to get your mind right and have some tools in your tool bag to kind of prep or at least set boundaries with the people that are around you who are maybe not having as much fun as you're going to have. They're party poopers. They are. <laughs> Wet blankets. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think it is that people are so obsessed with like food around the holidays and like being like guilt-free right guilt-free mashed potatoes quote-unquote guilt-free pumpkin pie like or whatever dish you name it why do you think people are so obsessed with like this specifically because we eat food all year round (laughs) I do I feel like this time of year um it's a it's a great time of year like people are gathering maybe there are treats that are maybe seasonal like maybe the ingredients just aren't as readily available um during the spring or summertime um it makes so much sense to me if you think about natural food cycles like we are in essentially the harvesting season right with we communities that are at you know agriculture based or big crops have just been harvested and everyone is trying to uh to do their best to enjoy the abundance of the season and so there are things that are around that aren't typically around um, during other times of the year, which lead to experimentation, fun, those treats that only happen this time of year. And so I think that food, fun, colorful, yummy, delicious food is just in abundance um, at this time of year. So if you've restricted for 10 or 11 months of the year mm. what you're eating, right? I think that people are literally afraid that's going to go crazy during this time of year and um they don't want to be seen as lacking willpower or lacking self-control um if you're in eating disorder recovery maybe you're maybe you're rightfully you know worried about relapse or or being triggered in that way so I think that a lot of talk about not having guilt not having shame around food is a prevalent, but instead of embracing this time of year um, with openness and um, being in tune with our bodies and honoring our cravings and hunger, it seems like they double down on restriction instead. Yeah, I mean, I think you brought up so many good points. And in terms of like, you know, when you refer to like agricultural communities, right, that are harvesting or, you know, whatever, um, like this time of year, it probably goes back to like pre times before now, right? Because like we live in a society now where like we can literally probably get anything at any point in time because like we can, it gets flown over on a plane, even when things like aren't in season. Like I remember I was talking with my great aunt and she was telling me how like she never had an avocado until like, like she was like 50 years old because she grew up in the forties. Like, I think she was born at some point in the forties and like back then, like they didn't grow avocados in New York and you know, it probably wasn't prevalent 
locally or anything so like they ate what was local and now like we're very fortunate and blessed that like we can get avocados all year round and I was just using avocados as an example obviously there's like a lot of other things but maybe like the wide range of dishes and meals um originated from like the source that you're referring to which I think actually makes a lot of sense yeah and then they become food traditions right they pumpkin pie is something that people enjoy in the fall in the holiday months right you know not that they can enjoy it in in April or May but we don't see people just really you know eating a whole lot posting pictures Martha Stewart is not on the cover for magazines pumpkin pie in July right so yeah so those that that history of living that way close to nature and in nature's rhythm has just become food tradition and for some of us, and I think especially I know when I was dieting, when I was in my active eating disorder and restricting, right, I know that I held closely to those traditions. Like, I knew that if I could just make it through, you know, the early fall months, that I was going to be able to have sweet potato pie in the holiday. Like, that was something I planned for. So I think that that wanting also makes it so much more in our focus, because just like with anything, when you try to restrict something that you could like you say have any time but you're you're foregoing it and restricting your enjoyment of it you're restricting your pleasure of of that thing it only makes it that much more present in your thoughts and in your mind so I think that also drives a lot of what we see if you look at commercials all the commercials are about they've got tables full of food um you know all the all the commercials are like that uh you know so and I think it just goes to show how how much diet culture has become normalized. Yeah. In our, in our culture. That is true. And it's like so sad and it's so stupid because I don't know why. I mean, I, I know why people are obsessed with like trying to actively always shrink their bodies. Um, but like, I don't know, like we're living through the apocalypse right now and like, we should be so grateful that like we get to spend time with friends and family, that we have access to these foods, that we can make these foods and celebrate, you know, the holiday season. And again, like at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter what like specific dish you're cooking. I mean, I'm sure everyone has like unique dishes to their cultural cuisines, but you know, at the end of the day, like it's just a family gathering. So why are you, if you're spending all your time worried about leading up to you know this day or this holiday party or that dinner it's like there's so many other things that you could be thinking about and you you made such a good point sorry I I didn't mean to interrupt you no I was gonna keep going um that like the more you're like thinking about it and obsessed with it the more of a big deal of become a big deal of it becomes once like you're in active recovery, right? If you're in eating disorder recovery, disordered eating recovery, like I don't even think about it. I don't worry about it. It doesn't change my day in any shape or form. It doesn't change my my movement schedule. It's just like mm-hmm. another meal that I have. And so I, I think people think that that's like an unheard of thing. But it's the natural, it's the best way to eat. It's the only way to eat. It's something you said made me think about that concept, like in um, therapy or counseling or recovery, like when when I'm coaching someone, someone who is telescoping, right? 
they are thinking, okay, I'm going to go to Grandma Betty's house for, you know, Christmas Eve dinner. Mm -hmm. This dish is going to be there. This dish is going to be there. They're thinking about this, not the day of or the day before. They're thinking about this weeks ahead of time. Like, okay, if I can create a deficit, air quotes, Mm -hmm. deficit, and move this much up until this point, then I can have one slice of this and this, you know, like they're telescoping, like they're planning, like how much mental space, and I know because this used to be me, Yeah. Uh, how much mental space, energy goes into that. And I, what I know now is how much of the fun, the enjoyment, those sweet moments, the creation of memories um, that I missed out because I couldn't think about that or even have the presence of mind to enjoy that because I was thinking about what I was going to eat, what I was going to take home, how, you know, I was doing too busy planning all this other stuff. And I remember watching those cousins of mine who, who weren't in that, just like how jealous and also a little bit spiteful that they were just able to graze, cruise and have fun. Like, I'm like, what, what is wrong with them? Yeah. So, but they had it right. (laughs) So, um, what I want people to know is that there's all the life, all the things that you think you're putting off until you get to a certain number on the scale, a mm-hmm. certain number in your clothes, certain waistline, all those things that you think are magically going to happen for you, mm-hmm. um, if and when you get to that number, you can be happening for you right now. Yeah, a hundred percent. And that's 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 the lie that diet culture has sold us on. It's like, oh, no, 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 you're not going to have this. You're not worthy of this. You can't enjoy this until you are this size. But that's, that's a lie. That's just, mm-hmm. it, it really is. It's, not true. it's a lie that, that we are told by the diet industry to keep buying their shit so that they make more money. And the diet industry is a multi-billion dollar industry, which I believe is on track to be a multi-trillion dollar industry. So it's a very lucrative industry to like prey on people's insecurities. And that's why you see during this time of year, right after Halloween, all through the new year, where it's like, uh, you know, get a head start on losing weight for the new year. Like, dude like I don't even know like how many times I'm gonna have to like poop in the next day like I'm not worried about trying to like you know lose 10 pounds before the new year or in the new year or whatever like it's just it's so exhausting and it's like I don't know why we we still that why this is still a thing like when we know that 98% of diets do not maintain their weight loss in the long term, right? So like diets work initially, but like, what's the long term? And there is a very small percentage of people that maintain that loss, that weight loss that they intentionally um, lost, lose, lost, whatever. When they do, of the 5% of people that are able to keep it off for longer than about two years, they have lost less than 5% of their body weight. So if you think of it like that, a person who was weighing 250 pounds has lost, you know, less than 10 pounds that, that, they're, that they're keeping off long term. So yeah. if you're still trying to lose the last 10 pounds, your body is struggling to maintain yeah. homeostasis, your 
messing with yeah because the the amount of weight that's kept off is significantly smaller than these amounts that people yes. believe that they need to to lose and and I think that for so long just like with diet culture and that big you know diet fitness industri- industrial complex that is one arm of capitalism in our country mm. so so much bad research has been so deeply entrenched and embedded in mm. what people they know what they believe um, to be to be fact-based when in fact um, as we now know with newer studies that are appropriately designed and implemented um, we now know that there the correlation isn't with the weight the correlation are with the health promoting behaviors the enjoyment the adequate rest the management of stress the happy social relationships the movement that you enjoy whether it's five minutes of stretching or or heavy lifting like whatever it is you enjoy you're if you enjoy it you'll keep it up so we know that those types of behaviors um being in safer neighborhoods decreasing adverse childhood yes things like childhood trauma events um poor management of stress um those are things that also affect us um, in our in our health and our goals to be, uh, you know, promote health. And the fact of the matter is that it's not 100% within our control. 100 million bazillion percent. And I think that that's something that people still struggle with because yes. people feel victim to like, oh, I have type 2 diabetes and it's all my fault. And, you know, I think the healthcare industry, the diet culture industry, just society in general demonizes people for like having these chronic conditions, which very may well have been because of things that are out of your control. That are out of your control. And I think that um, as new and better research, by better, I mean, not because it agrees or it confirms what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, better in the way that it's set up. Like yeah. they're, they're designed yeah. fairly, they're divine, designed more equitably. They have true controls and they're not so much, you know, driven by, not all the research is driven by, you know, big pharma and these companies that seek to benefit mm-hmm. from uh, these outcomes. Um, I think that people are starting to slowly but surely come to realize how predatory yeah that that diet fitness the the diet slash fitness industry can really be as an as a arm of capitalism it's predatory and it creates first it's created the uh, uh, nearly unattainable standards right you know you need plastic surgery to look this way oh wait no now you don't you need butt implants now you don't like you can never keep up (laughs) with the with the standard and then it's always being moved so it creates insecurity and then they sell you something that's not going to fix the problem. Like, I think that people need to be um, really con- be, be, be more conscious. They can, and, and, and going to the internet doesn't necessarily always help. Like, I understand there is all kinds of craziness out there in the interweb. Unfortunately, so. that is 100% the case. And you have people who, like, have big followings who look like they're experts right because anyone could sound like they know what they're talking about um and 
you know, it, it, there aren't generally recommendations that would be beneficial for you, you know, and it may, it might not even be things that they are actually doing or products that they are actually using. People get paid to promote stuff that doesn't really work. <laughs> or that they're even using, but I mean, they'll take a check, yeah. right? Exactly. exactly. So, so yeah, in- I, it, it's tough. It's tough. No, it really is. And I think, like you said, you know, being aware that this exists sets you up to like be a little bit more um, careful, I guess, where you get your information from and like recognizing that like how you feel in your body, like you're the expert of how you feel in your body. You can't be told this by someone else. And you have to trust it. And our, the insecurities come from not trusting um, that you're enough as you are, not trusting that you're worthy, not trusting that you're valuable, not trusting that you're attractive, desirable, all those things that they sell us. And um, definitely listening to your podcast, um, my little podcast, really tells those stories and provides like a counter narrative to this narrative that's, that's harmful because it creates... Um, an imbalance in the way we view ourselves and that could lead to disordered eating, which could lead to eating disorders. So it's um, important for us to know and um, uplift each other and let each other know that we really are worthy and it's okay that we're different. Exactly. No, it's true. And like, if I grew up with this type of messaging and like seeing people like you and me and other friends that we have, you know, from social media in the space, my life would have been like so different. Amen. Yeah. And um, so I, you're, you're really an expert when it comes to the movement area, like you teach so many different things. Um, so how, how are you looking at this time of year in terms of like your own relationship with movement and like your clients, like, how are they feeling? That's a great question. Um, So this time of year can be hectic, right? Especially if you're like me, you have uh, children that are in school. There's always some program, some rehearsal. It just feels like um, there's always something to be shuffling to and from. Um, So for me, this time of year, um, I'm grateful that I have my classes and I'm also grateful that I have some of my body confidence um, clients that require me to move with them because it, it, it would be a lot tougher. One of the things that I always try to tell people is like, it doesn't to me matter so much what religion or belief system you have. This is a great time of year to, first of all, if you're like me in, in the South, in Texas, you know, today was like 79 degrees. <laughs> like, it's still pretty nice. So enjoy this cooler weather um, and get outside. Like that's one thing I always try to get outside. If it's evening, get that. If you have pets or children, you want to put them on leashes as well. Get out and enjoy the holiday life. Get out, enjoy the decorations. Um, you know, stroll and just and just stroll, just move. That can be something family friendly. That can be something easy to do um, and and enjoyable. So I always move, move if you're able. You can you know, walk a roll, you can sit outside and, and watch. I know for me, we don't have many kids in my neighborhood, but as I'm going through other neighborhoods that have kids, there are more kids outside. 
um, just because it's just a lot more um, comfortable. If you're in an area, my daughter is in New York, like you, my oldest daughter, she's in Ithaca. Like, she's just like, oh, I guess we'll be building snowmen because it's already been snowing up there. Um, she, so, so finding some of those seasonal activities um, that are interesting and enjoyable for you. And, you know, that, that varies. So, and that way, and then you don't have to do things very long. I think this is something else that we learned from diet culture. No, I need to burn a thousand calories in this workout. Mm-hmm. No, if it's a five minute stroll, just one loop around the block, mm-hmm. that's great. You can do that a couple of times. You can catch a sunrise. You can catch a sunset. You can catch the lights coming on. You can yeah. do that as, um, you know, as a way just to move, breathe in some fresh air. Um, another thing um, that I, you know, this is also a great social time. People are dancing more. They're having parties. Um, get out and bust the move. Like, it doesn't matter if your dance is trendy. Um, people, go be the life of the party. Uh, <laughs> go have fun at your ugly, you know, holiday sweater contest, whatever it is. I think that this is the time of year, especially leading up to like New Year's Eve. Um, people are dancing. You can take dance lessons um, uh, for fun now, this time of year, uh, gearing up. I think um, for me, as you know, I love joyful movement. I love da- and dancing is it for me. I also enjoy walking, but this is that time of year to have some fun, cut loose. Um, people are, you know, it's the holiday season. It's holiday party season. So mm-hmm. if you're, if you've been nervous about it, this is, you have the perfect cover uh, <laughs> to, to try something yeah. new. I love that. And I think, um, I think people only consider it to be like, quote unquote, like worthwhile movement. If they're like doing like a, a hit like a high intensity class or like doing an hour on the the bike or the treadmill and like you made such a good point like even five minutes 10 minutes is some sort of movement and that is beneficial to your health your mental health your physical health just getting your blood flowing your muscles moving um really redefining how people look at what movement is I think um, what you said just is so important for people to really, really let sink in is that when we're talking about health, we're talking about movement, but it's not just about physical health, like you said. It is 100% about mental and emotional health as well. That if you can't have balanced wellness and only be looking at what you're doing for your body because you're not in balance, everything has to be um considered and just looking outside at the expanse of water if you're by a lake or ocean or looking up at the sky and the horizon has been scientifically proven it was an article in the scientific american actually that was talking about how that just looking at the sky or looking at the ocean can reset your parasympathetic nervous system and decrease your heart rate and stress levels like i think that's amazing so Yes. Just looking outside can help you mentally. So get outside, take a stretch, breathe. Um, several studies have been sh- have shown that short bursts of movement that add up over the course of a day or a week yep. is just as beneficial as longer workouts. So these don't need to be things that um, require a whole lot of shuffling in your schedule. They can be short bursts of minutes. I, 
I know I'm a, I am a former Fitbit owner. And I think that was one thing that Fitbit got right was that little alarm you could set to move at the last five minutes of an hour, just getting up, stretching and moving for the last five minutes of an hour over the course of a workday is, you know, that's 40, 45 minutes of movement. That's monumental. That you did. <laughs> right. That's, that's big. That's huge. Um, uh, you know, so I think that um, fitting it in and what looks like enjoyable movement for you could be totally different. Uh, you um, like to lift heavy. I'm, I don't like to lift that heavy. So, um, it, and that's okay. If you really want to just sweat for an hour on a bicycle that goes nowhere in the spin class, I think that's great if that's what is good for you. But don't feel compelled to do it because yeah. everyone's talking about how many calories it burns or, yeah. or like, like don't let that be the reason. Let enjoyment be the reason. Um, maybe you want to ride an actual bike at a snail's pace outside. Like that's mm-hmm. my speed. <laughs> Let's, mm-hmm. you know, so, so it's all, it's, and there's so many ways to move. Um, I always say go to a playground or do something from your childhood before diet culture creeps in, especially for those people who are really say, I hear a lot. I just don't like moving my body. I just don't like. I was going to ask you about that. That like literally was my next question. Like what, like, how do you handle clients who say that? Like, I don't, I never liked moving my body and it's like hard for them to get into some sort of movement routine? Well, first thing I tell them is that's okay. <laughs> like there's, there's no shame. Like if you don't like moving, you don't like moving. Like, okay. Um, so then after they're validated, then I ask them, what is it that they hope to gain from starting a movement practice? If you don't like it, why do you feel compelled to add movement to your routine? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about uh, we talk about maybe some of their goals. Maybe sometimes they are maybe like no, I need to move because I have this chronic illness or I have fibromyalgia. I have this. I need. To, I'm being told that I need to move. And then we go we go from there and we go you know with the least hate the thing they hate the least. <laughs> you know we start experimenting with things that they can even just tolerate um, if if they really want to, but again it's the same thing you are you're the expert of your body if you if movement isn't really what you want to do um being forced to do it or compelled to do it um may not be the best approach because it will become a source of anxiety and stress um and you won't enjoy it so you're likely not going to keep it up yes i think that's true and i think that the anxiety portion is like said is something that a lot of people don't necessarily recognize. So like I have patients that used to have like a very toxic relationship with movement um, or they literally were scarred for life from like their childhood from like, like my, like this used to be me where like I was like forced to go to yeah. the gym, like as a child. And yeah. it like, it, it was almost as if my body was like fighting against it. Cause mm-hmm. it remembers the like trauma from that experience. Yes. And if that's really the root cause of the, of the, um, of not enjoying movement, 
Mm. You know, healing and journaling and uh, can help that, right? But we have to really get down, get down to that, and we do. And and a lot of times it is it's an adverse, um, you know, reaction or position based on trauma or harm or just you know, like they say, a bad taste is left in their mouth, and they just and they think that they don't like it. They just haven't. Maybe they haven't healed that part of their inner child where they can come back to something fun. Um, but I do a lot of outdoor workouts. We, I do a lot of things with people in playgrounds. Um, recently, we uh, got cardboard boxes and slid down some big hill, grassy hills. Like, <laughs> that's movement. <laughs> right, just toting that piece of cardboard uphill a few times. That's movement. Um, and it was fun, and it didn't feel like exercise. And I think even just that word exercise can sometimes trigger these yeah. bad thoughts or like, oh no, it has to be this strict regimented high energy output type of movement. And it doesn't, it, ne- it never needs to be that. Yeah. I think that's so true. And it's, you know, it's such a long process to like kind of root out all that like toxic negative thought yeah. processes or just like, you know, feelings that we have And I think like you said, like starting off really small and easy, like something that requires little like effort. Like if you're someone who's like, okay, I know I want to start moving my body. Um, I know it would like be beneficial for my mental health, my physical health. Um, And to go from like zero to like, oh, I'm going to join the gym and go to the gym every day for an hour is just like crazy bananas, like too much. It is too much. And it also, like, for me, who I also um, work with BIPOC individuals across, you know, every slice of the social economic pie, some of the things are just inaccessible. Like, yoga classes are expensive in studios. Gym memberships are expensive. Um, sometimes to take up certain sports can require a, a heavy outlay uh, yeah. for equipment and less than, you know like so I always you know preach start with something accessible that you would consistently have access to when you wanted to do it out walking for that reason is one of the things that I always talk about if you don't have good walking shoes I have like videos on YouTube you can walk inside you know mm-hmm. in front of the TV following along with me like don't if you want to move there's a reason to move if you are wheelchair or bed bound um, there are resources I'm going to shout out Angel Austin, a sacred space for fat bodies. She has a wonderful programming for people that um, need to start from the bed or from a chair. Like if you are ready to start, there are anti-diet, no pressure to shape shift your body um, sources out there um, that can help you with that. And so I don't want ever want money or price hopefully you know like I understand we live in oppressive times and and at that intersection sometimes people of color don't feel safe in certain gyms depending on where they live Um, they don't feel welcoming if you're going to take a shower and you're black and they don't have shampoo or conditioner that they're providing that is you know for your hair like it, it can feel unwelcoming and tough so I really try to see what they have available and give them some opportunities to um, embrace what they want without that. Like, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, there's 
fun things that we can do that are just fun and um, we can make it our own. I think that's so, I mean, I know that it, that is such an important point and it's not yelled from the rooftops like it should be the the inaccessibility and the inclusivity of movement spaces um we know that like the health and wellness space is whitewashed right taken over by white people from everywhere from like yoga to zumba classes you know and it makes it it takes away from people who want to enjoy the classes but don't necessarily like you said feel welcomed or included and I think that that does such a huge disservice to people everywhere yes and I mean and you know I'm fortunate to be uh, you know I work I teach some classes for uh, three of the YMCA locations where I am in Austin and I'm fortunate that um, I have been able to build a, commu- a class community um, that has intentionally been inviting and inclusive and I have people of all sizes ages uh, people in wheelchairs that are doing my uh, dance classes and no one comes in or if they do they either get weeded out or they get converted when they start talking about oh it's you know post Thanksgiving some burn this turkey office it's so funny because last week when I was teaching someone was like hey, we don't do that here <laughs> like Love we can fun like I have I have planted those seeds over the years and now the community gets it and they will get other people new people like uh-uh we don't we don't we don't earn and burn in here oh, <laughs> we giggle and giggle like that's not why we're here um and and it's why it works for such a wide slice of um people so um because it's just about joy it really is a, a practice in joy and in celebrating what our bodies can do in this moment. I mean, not taking it for granted that things could change. A hundred percent. And I think that's something that we should all, you know, be more mindful of and grateful for, because these are all truths that you are um, speaking about. Are there any final thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with? You know, I want to just say that, you know, whoever you are, wherever you are, you deserve to enjoy the holiday season to the utmost of what's available to you. So if that means eating, you know, all the cheese balls at every party you go to, or if it means, you know, dancing all across the dance floor at every holiday party, like you deserve that, that enjoyment just as much as anybody. Like we all have that as a right. So really embracing those moments where you know you're going to feel good and you should be able to enjoy them without any guilt because there there isn't there shouldn't be any shame we are just fancy animals right we're just (laughs) we love pleasure we love fun we love enjoyment we love those things and um if you have an opportunity to enjoy them then i i'm challenging you this year to the to enjoy them like if it's something you know last year you wouldn't have done and you have that chance this year, do it. I love that so much. That's like such a great way to end the podcast episode. Leslie, thank you as always so much for coming on and taking time out of your busy, hectic schedule to be here and 
we will link all of your info, your social media and everything in the show notes. And if you aren't already following Leslie, I don't know what you're doing. You need to go and follow her ASAP. Um, thank you so much for making the time to be here. Thank, thank you always. Always love chatting. I know you and I can go on and on and, and have. We can all- like film eight hour episodes. <laughs> right. Like a marathon. of yeah. <laughs> uh, And I, you know, and when you were on my podcast, I appreciate you and your listeners because it's one of the more popular podcasts. And I actually decided not to even like post anymore this year. I was just like, oh, I'm just going to promote other, other good voices out there because I think that sometimes, you know, it's hard to get above the noise and be heard. So I'm always so grateful and appreciative of you and um, want to keep um, keep spreading, you know, the word that we are worthy and we don't need to shrink our bodies in order to improve our happiness and health. I love that so much. And the feeling is a thousand percent mutual. Um, you know, I'm so grateful to have met you and so many other people. It's just really such a blessing. Um, And I'm always forever grateful for this community that we have and to support each other and to continue to spread these different messages, especially during this diet culture nonsense time of the year. Um, So thank you again. Thank you. And I do like I did last year, binge all 12 of your episodes at once. I'm like, yep, get me through the holidays. (laughs) Guys, thank you so much for listening. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you enjoyed this podcast episode or any of the other podcast episodes of the All Bodies Nutrition Podcast, please consider giving me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. Thank you guys again, and I will see you guys for day nine.